Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And I'm so happy today to be joined by my good friend, Marlena Powell. Hi, Marlena. Hi. Hi, welcome. Hi. So excited (laughs) to be here. (laughs) Marlena is a friend I met at NYU when she was there getting her master's degree, and I was there working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you were working. (laughs) Working, as were were you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Seems so long ago. It does. Uh, for me, let's see, I graduated in 2016, 2016. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I loved the program I did and I loved being there, but with kids, it was always like, I was stressed a lot. Like the stress of, you know, I've got to drop this one off and I, you know, I have to get here. And they were so much younger then. Um, yeah. my nine-year-old was four when I started. Wow. So she just started preschool and she'd cry every time I dropped her off at preschool. And oh gosh, just, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I be in school? I'm so selfish, you know? (laughs) Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about like, you know, what, what the family you grew up in was like and what your family is now? So, okay. So I grew up right outside of Philadelphia and my mom, my dad, and my brother, my brother's name is Aaron. And he is 18 months younger than me. So funny thing is people always thought we were twins. Um, and it didn't help that my mother dressed us alike. Oh, no. <laughs> for like, year, for until he finally had enough. You know, he might have been about eight or nine years old. Um, but she, she uh, can sew. She's a really good seamstress. And she, you know, in the 70s, 70s and 80s, 80s, early 80s, everybody made everything. So she was home, you know, with the the patterns that you get from the the shop, the sewing shop. (laughs) Um, So it was us two. And interestingly enough, my my father is one of 12. And right. And he's the third oldest. So the bottom two lived with us for quite some time, like uh, maybe eighth grade through their senior year, because my grandparents passed away early. Mm. So the older three were between my dad, our house and my aunt's house. And she was in the army and they lived in Germany. So it was, it was interesting. So his siblings are, they, they feel more like my siblings. Ah. If that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Because the youngest is only five years older than me. And you know, they, that, that was that for a while. Uh, And when I was, I guess, 14, my parents divorced, maybe, maybe 13, 13 or 14. My mom is still in Pennsylvania, maybe 10 minutes from where we grew up. And my dad lives in Baltimore, Maryland. Very cool. Great. And what's your family like? Your, your family. Um, and so mine is similar. Uh, my, it's me, my husband, Stephen. Uh, my oldest, who's 13, her name is Sinclair. And my youngest is Simone. Oh, I love and, those names. Yeah, Sinclair <laughs> and Simone. <laughs> 13 and 9. And we're here. We're here in Montclair, New Jersey. And what's your... Did, had you ever watched the show Parenthood before or was this your first time or my first time well when you when I you know you sent me some information it was my first time so I was like oh this is like a neat little concept here (laughs) I was like I like I like that I think you know I do I think I think that there are you know thoughts and perspectives that go unnoticed sometimes and like and, and sometimes we don't say those things because we feel like we might be judged you know like if someone will ask you a question like, well, how is it being a parent? And you're having a day 
It's like, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's wonderful. I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be like, you know, those little, let's get on my nerves. You know what I mean? Like they, they want something all the time from you, you know, like this morning I was drinking coffee and, and nothing happens before I have like at least two cups. Fair. And my nine-year-old <laughs> goes in, she comes down and I see it all over her face that she's about to ask me a million questions and I'm just not ready. I'm just not. <laughs> and I really want her to go away. <laughs> like, I just need a minute. You know, and in COVID world, yeah. we've been in the house together since March. So yes, I love my kids, but I could use a little, you know, space. Yeah. <laughs> From everybody. See, you're perfect to have on this show because Caleb and I, our running joke is like two childless friends hosting a podcast on the show Parenthood. We we need that parent perspective. So, Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, I thought about it the other day when I was having a moment and I said, you know, this would be, would likely be worse if I didn't have them to focus on. Mm. So like the thing about kids, I think for an entertainer or somebody whose job before kids took everything, you know, like my baby was my singing and my acting. That was my baby before I had a baby. Right. My time was mine. I could practice when I needed to, I could get prepared. Like, you know, my agent could reach out to me at the last minute and it was fine. You know, all of those things change when you've got to factor in somebody else. And now that everything's gone, you know, I was teaching at an uh, acting school. I had like three classes. I was auditioning. I was in a, I was in an off-Broadway show uh, called Sisters and it was at the St. Luke's Theater. So I had all these things that shut down in March. And I think that like as much as they get on my nerves sometimes and as much as it's like, gosh, this all this togetherness is a lot. <laughs> they really save me because they still need to eat. Like I still need to cook dinner. You know what I mean? Like, so I can't be sad, but for too long, cause I have to go make dinner. (laughs) I have to go cook. I got to wash the clothes cause they, you know, and I, and if they need to go to soccer, I need to take them to soccer. Like, so for me, I have that really great perspective that I would probably be a hot mess if I didn't have that focus. Wow. Yeah. Cause I'd be on the news every day. I'd be focusing on what I'm not doing and focusing on what I don't have. And I'm, I'm, I'm not in a show it helps because it's like, well, <laughs> those all those things are still true, but you got to go over here and do what you got to do yeah. <laughs> as their yeah. mother. You know? I relate because I, I do feel a little bit like, oh my gosh, I put all my eggs in this career basket and now the career isn't yeah. there at least for a while. For a while. Who am I? What do I do? But then the bright side of that is I don't have anyone relying on me mm. at least. Okay. You know, like I see like my sister who's who we had on the show is a teacher and a mother of two. So, and her, her daughter just started kindergarten. So it's like, how do I get her where she needs to be in front of her little zoom thing? And then these days she goes in person and then I got to get my younger son to daycare so that I can get to my school and teach my in-person kids and my hybrid kids Mm. and just all of that. And I was like, Oh, I don't have to do that. (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah, but then yeah. I do sit at home all day with my thoughts, thinking, "Yeah, what are yeah. you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do?" Absolutely, yeah. All right, well, let's get down to it. I suppose <laughs> our little we're pandemic just... uh, <laughs> distraction, our little <laughs> pandemic project. Okay. <laughs> Today we're discussing Parenthood season two, episode two, "No Good Deed." It was written by Tyler Bensinger, directed by Lawrence Trilling, and it originally aired on September twenty first, twenty ten. Here's the synopsis from NBC. 
Adam offers an internship position to Sarah at TNS Footwear. Meanwhile, Christina helps Suze Lessing through her divorce by babysitting Noel. Julia commits to a play date for Sydney that threatens her other friendships. Elsewhere, Jasmine and Crosby debate where Jabbar should live when Jasmine takes a new job. So let's start with, I thought, by far the least satisfying storyline. Julia's? Which was Julia's, yeah. I, with her five-year-old <laughs> social... Politics? Yeah. <laughs> to me, that was the least interesting storyline the show has ever had so far. Maybe I think I so, too. That. And I was like, give Julia something better to do, hopefully soon. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I only took two notes on that whole storyline. <laughs> the first one was, it seems ridiculous that two episodes into the second season, all Julia has had to do is stumble through a birds and the bees talk with her daughter mm. and then <laughs> deal with the, you know, social obstacle course of first graders. And then my second note was a question from Marlena, since we do at least have a mom here. Okay. Have you ever had to navigate child drama with your kids and their friends? And, you know, is that something parents yes. do, do deal with? Yes. So um, I have a few stories. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. You know, here's the thing. And again, the, I always say this, I preface this, my kids are not perfect. I'm not one of those kids that's like, my child is right. But we typically try to teach, we've always taught, like, stay out of the drama. Like, try, you know, if, if there's a girl that you don't particularly like, and that's fine because people like who they like, it doesn't mean that you need to be mean to her, you know? So, like, I think my kids witness a lot of it in school when they were in school, particularly my 13-year-old. She, they see it a lot. And so I always say, listen, just you know, stay out of it. Don't, you know, and just be nice. Now my 13 year old is very, she's popular. And uh, when she got to middle school, someone that she used to be friends with in elementary school, they just kind of grew apart. Like it just, there was no fallout. There was nothing that happened. Uh, and the mom of the girl called me Oh wow! and she, she was like, you know, um, I don't know why they don't talk anymore. And you know, could you ask your daughter if she would like sit with her at lunch? And, you know, and I, I, I took in a deep breath because I was like, okay, so because I'm not, I don't like to negotiate my kids uh, social life like that. Right. And I also think it's healthy. It's healthier for them to learn how to do that themselves without in elementary school, you play date, you know, you schedule play dates with the moms and your kids get together. But once they get older, they really do have to start to learn how to negotiate. It's like, that's their own, it's their lives. You know, I don't want to be, you know, so um, I, my daughter came home from school and I sat her down and I said, listen, are you, did you guys have a fight? Did you, whatever? And my daughter was like, no, we're just like, you know, and that's how she <laughs> responds. Like she's got, she, She's like cool. And some of it is that she's trying to be cool because she's 13. And she was like, no. I said, well, are you not friends anymore? She's like, I mean, we are, but like I have one class with her. I don't really see her. Uh, and when I do see her, she's kind of, she doesn't really say anything to me and it's kind of awkward. And it's that girl. And I was like, okay, so that's what it is. It's just the awkwardness. I said, well, just do me a favor. And when you see her kind of go out of your way to just say hi. Yeah. And she just kind of rolled her eyes like, uh, okay. <laughs> I try. That's kind of how I handled that situation, you know, but like, I think with girls, you just gotta, you just can't be the mom that comes in and it's like, well, my daughter said, cause you don't know what your daughter said. Hmm. I don't know what mine say all the time. Like, <laughs> that's a good yeah. point. 
Yeah, so I just sit by and ask questions. I ask questions and I just try to figure out like, okay. You know, and, and our kids, me and my husband, we're like, we, we're not raising any bullies. Like we are not raising bullies. You don't do that. That's that. Well, I got to yeah. say, you just made that storyline infinitely more interesting. <laughs> That's so true. So, oh, yeah. Now okay. I'm like, okay, maybe that is something valuable worth exploring, you know, because from my perspective, I was just like, what what's even happening here? Who cares? Play with the kid. But hearing yeah. you talk, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see where yeah. that's kind of hard to navigate. Yeah. It was amusing a little bit, you know, the little girl making the plans <laughs> herself. That yeah. was cute. But that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do. Some of them, you know, they they hustle up their own little, you know, <laughs> well, we're we're gonna do this and we're gonna, you know, my I'm gonna have my mom drop me off and do, you know, those especially girls. I bet. They're like little yeah. social directors. They are. They are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go to Sarah starting her internship at TNS. I, I thought that her little introduction was pretty funny. Anyone ever heard of nepotism? Because <laughs> I sure have. I'm just kidding. That's, well, I'm not kidding, but anyway. <laughs> that made me think of, have you guys ever heard the term kidding on the square? No. Mm-mm. It means joking, but actually meaning it. Oh, oh, <laughs> kidding on I the thought, square. Oh, this is a textbook example of she's ah. kidding on the square. I love that. I love it. I'm going to use that. I am yeah. too. I'm going to use kidding on the square. Yeah. So as we established in the last episode, I, I think neither Melissa I, or I are fans of Gordon. No. And this episode didn't help at all. No. The, just the blatant flirting with Sarah almost right off the bat. And I was thinking, you know, when this episode aired, aired, it was 12 years after the Clinton affair. Ooh. Hadn't we all learned not to mess around with interns? <laughs> yeah. Don't I, go I there. Hope. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. I mean, here's what I decided about Gordon. I put it in as a note. I'm like, okay, if he's just Adam's boss and that's it. I find him sort of funny in a like cartoon character way. Like he's just popping in as like this terrible boss who doesn't remember anyone's name and is real smarmy. But if the second he becomes a love interest for Sarah, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Get him off. Get him off the show now. (laughs) That's that's how I feel. Because last episode, I was kind of tolerant of him. I'm like, I don't know. He's funny. Whatever. And then the second they started flirting, I'm like, oh, no, I hate this. He's the exact opposite (laughs) of of Mr. Sear. You know, he's just the opposite of. Yeah. So anyway. And I also wondered, did since you mentioned Mr. Sear, did Sarah learn nothing from the Mark Amber fiasco of just like, don't date someone who maybe has some other circumstance with your family members. Right. Like, find find yeah. someone who the relationship is only on your terms. Yeah. yeah. You don't have yeah. to consider your family. Yeah. And if you are going to risk it, risk it with Mr. Sear because he's adorable <laughs> and delightful and not like this smarmy. I don't know. I mean, he's like TNS president or whatever but i'm like he just feels like a wall street guy or something he's like a slickster he's a slickster mm. i'm not a fan i will say i enjoyed sarah's little riff on pudding you know what i like about chocolate pudding everything <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'm noticing i think a feature of of parenthood a like dramatic storytelling recurring theme okay which is all of the bravermans seem very quick to escalate conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> they go from like <laughs> 0 to 10 in about 
10 seconds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like Adam and Sarah, Sarah maybe crossed this boundary at work, revealing things about Adam's personal life. And they start to have a conversation about it. And at first it seems like, oh, they're they're actually just going to be civil, civil and like be adults about this, right? I was thinking it actually might be better for us not to carpool anymore. You really hate my coffee. No, 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 no it's just, it's... It's the only time of the day that I get to be by myself. It's nothing personal. I understand. No, that, I really do understand. Okay. Okay. I'll All meet right. you there tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Huh. How nice. Yeah. Nice. We're just all grown-ups. Refreshing. Mm-hmm. But then things escalate a little bit. Also, I just want to ask you not to talk about Max or my personal life at work. Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't mean to get into it, you know, just feel less. Yeah, in- I know. You don't have to explain I, yourself. I, just don't do it. I didn't know it was a secret. It's not a secret, Sarah. It's my personal life, and I should be able to choose how and when yeah, I want to talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. If you have any other things you'd like to decide when and how you talk about them, just give me a heads up. Just let me know. Just so. Sarah, it's not I didn't something know you I should didn't want to talk to about your kid. For. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so it looked like we were about to go off the rails, but oh, oh maybe we avoided it? No. No, we did not. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Okay? I also don't think you should be spending quite so much time with Gordon. What does that mean? Well, Sarah, I mean, you had lunch with him for 77 minutes today. Oh, my God. You timed our lunch? I think you might be getting the wrong idea. Getting the wrong idea, Adam. What are you talking about? You were just really chatty. You were flirting with the guy. I wasn't being chatty and flirty. I have a personality. I had pudding and and lunch. It was lunch. It's not a bar. Oh, don't say that to me. I know it's not a bar. You don't have to tell me it's not a bar. I know how to Sarah, conduct myself outside of a bar. Sarah, you're my little sister, okay? This guy is a dog. Okay, not I know a good how to guy judge you people to get by with, myself okay? for myself. I don't need your help. It's your second day in the job. I know what day it is. hanging out for an hour and a half with the president minutes. of the company. It was only 77 minutes. I, I don't even understand this. Sorry. It just feels like you regret do, doing this at all. Well, don't make me regret it. Okay, I won't make you regret it. I quit. Okay? Oh, okay, it's not well, going to work, obviously. I, is you can send me my answer. $29 check or whatever you were paying me for this yeah. great internship okay, in the mail. Quitter. Okay, it's nothing new. You know. I quit! Yeah, there you go. Be a quitter. Oh, oh gosh. You have a brother very close in age, um, <laughs> just like the two of them. Do you ever escalate like that so fast? Or? No. I, I, <laughs> That's great. No, no. I will say. And it's, it's hilarious. We joke about it now, but he was always, my little brother was always forced to do what I did. And sometimes, and I'm trying really hard in my own parenting not to do this. Sometimes it creates resentment Mm. from the one who's forced to do what the other one does. And the resentment, instead of it being geared at my parents, it was at me. You know what I mean? Mm. You always get this. You always get the attention. You always get to do, and they're always watch coming to your show and paying for your lesson and da, da, da. you know, like, and it didn't come out until we were like in our twenties, like in mm. our, you know, and it came out a lot. So we kind of had some tension, I'd say in our late twenties and early thirties for a while yeah. that I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. Thank goodness we're not in that space anymore. So yeah, and I think that that adult sibling conflict comes from unresolved childhood stuff that the parents do. <laughs> Good point. I, listen, I'm a parent now, so I'm trying really hard not to have <laughs> my kids in therapy. Not that there's anything wrong with therapy, but not for that. Yeah. You know, I always joke with my husband, one of the reasons why I'm so tired all the time is because I really do focus on making sure that they 
you know, like one runs track and she's amazing at it. The other one hates track. She loves soccer. She's like obsessed with it. So it's like, they don't even play the same sport. One plays the piano and the drums and the other one isn't really interested. She likes to cook. So I'm, it's, I try really, really hard not to, it's not, I never was like, do you want to play the piano? Cause Sinclair plays piano. You should play the piano. Let's play the piano. Cause she don't want to play the piano. So maybe that's exactly what happens then when one, you know, sibling goes to work with the other sibling. Like it kind of makes sense because she's not really forging her own path. She's just kind of doing what her brother's doing. And it's bringing up, I think, a lot of old maybe insecurities and resentments. And Sarah's are just always right there on the surface anyway. So I think, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, and she also seems like she doesn't have a lot of um, boundaries. Sounds judgmental of her, but I, I don't think she holds that stuff too close. I think she's mm. very open about the messy aspects of her life and Adam isn't. And so I wonder what you guys thought about her talking so freely about like his family to his boss. You know, was he right to say, stop doing that? Because I was thinking it arguably could be to Adam's benefit that it kind of like humanizes him in his boss's eyes. You know, his boss has been coming down on him for being so focused on his family. But hearing it from Sarah, it's like, oh, I get it. You have a family. It requires your time. But that doesn't mean you're not a good employee. And yet I I still was kind of on his side of like, well, he gets to make that call, not you. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually on Sarah's side over Adam's it, as it just most episodes. I, I tend to identify more with her. But I think in this case, I, I really did see where Adam was coming from. I was like, look, he's had this job for a really long time. This is day two for you. Maybe mm-hmm. just hang back a bit and just kind of see how things go. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I totally get it. Like I very much value keeping a professional sort of feeling at work. And, and I, you know, I do talk about my life. I guess I am kind of open with my students and such, but, but yeah, I get to decide what I share. And I feel like, yeah, really different if somebody else came in and told stories that I didn't necessarily want everyone to know. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. You know, my relationship with my brother is my relationship with my brother and that, and we have, right. Just like when my kids are adults, they're going to have secrets that they Mm -hmm. don't tell anybody else. And it's not for me to share them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, it, there's, it's a fine line. You know, certainly if it's about your health and your safety, then I'm going to share it, you know, to make sure you're okay. But, but otherwise, it's like, ah, ah, I may, I'm going to keep that to myself because I don't want him coming after me. Like, ah, you know, <laughs> yeah. and certainly not at work. Yeah. Yeah. Especially around people you just met. Right. Like I noticed when he, in their argument, if you listen just to him, it's hard because they're overlapping. But when he says, I don't think you should be flirting with Gordon, he says to her, you're my little sister and that guy is a dog. Oh, wow. I didn't catch that and, line. And it seems like, oh, yeah, he's worked with Gordon for, for how, yeah. how many years? He knows a lot more about him than Sarah does on day two. No. And he really is, I think, in that moment trying to look out for her, not just for himself. Yeah. Like, this is not a good choice for you, trust me. He might seem charming. Okay, okay, so he's kind of a Baldwin. He's a Baldwin. (laughs) That's quoting Clueless over here. He's a literal Baldwin. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I can see how she takes it personally. I I did love that right after that, 
when she went into the house and had her little outburst at her own kids. Hey, you know, people need to get things done, okay? And it can't just all be crossword puzzles and Pac-Man. You have to actually do things, okay? And do your homework, okay? Pac-Man? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Where did she come up with Pac-Man? Whose service? Mine? I'm sorry. It's had a really bad day. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to go kill myself. Oh, gosh. I just loved that she had this big dramatic outburst. And then they all just laughed at her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That happened. I mean, I feel bad, but it was made me laugh. And I thought, like, so much for I see you and I hear you. Yeah, that's the true. the theme of the last episode. Well, he didn't promise Sarah that. He just promised his wife and, you know, counseling. <laughs> he doesn't have to do that with his daughter. <laughs> Although, speaking of that, that's that, that little, like, side story of Zeke and Camille being great with Sarah's kids and like, they're so productive. It did make me wonder because they've been having a lot of marital conflicts, but they seem to be getting along great in this episode. And I wonder are the, if they're better co-parents than Ooh. they are spouses. Oh. Cause I certainly know people like that. I mean, me too. my own parents, yeah. frankly, yeah. Okay. were fantastic co-parents and, um, you know, aren't married anymore. I wonder if it's a bit of like reminding them too of like perhaps some happy, some of their happiest times were perhaps when they were co-parenting. And and so I wonder if it's kind of nice that they can focus on them. But yeah, I thought that whole storyline was just precious. Like they just kept bonding in really genuine ways. And there were several examples. It wasn't just that scene. It was like Amber, it turns out she's really good at baking with her grandmother. And what what were Zeke and Drew about to do? Build a bird hatchery? A bird hatchery. (laughs) I love that. Which really made me laugh because there's this infamous story in my family. My, My two sisters have like ESP when it comes to Pictionary. Ah, <laughs> play Pictionary. Yeah. So I was like, don't let Jay and Lindsay be on a team because no one else stands a chance. <laughs> and and the most, the like legendary <laughs> example is that the clue was fish hatchery. And I don't even remember what the drawing was. It was nothing that would make you think, think fish, fish hatchery. hatchery. <laughs> and one sister drew it and the other sister goes, fish hatchery? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone around the table was just like, are you serious? Like they had to have cheated, right? Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. That's good. But that was such a lovely little side storyline. I love it when TV shows take the time to invest in something that really isn't maybe essential for like moving a story forward or something. It's just like a fun bit of character development. You know, I, I don't I think the Sarah's storyline with would have still worked without all this like harmony going on at home. (laughs) Like just all the parents, you know, the grandparents and grandchildren getting along so great, but it was just kind of lovely to see. It was nice. This episode has lots of those little moments. If, if I may insert one right now, I took a note of it. I didn't notice it until my second watch, but it was so cute at the little party at the beginning of the episode with, you know, with the bird hatchery where everyone's together. (laughs) I don't know if you, (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this, but there was this little throwaway, 
throwaway moment where Julia was um, checking Jasmine's height on the wall, the same little height marker that all the, you know, little brave, braver men children had had. And so Jasmine's just standing straight up against the wall and she's like, how how tall am I? And like Julia, and I totally missed it the first time. It was adorable. And apropos Mm -hmm. of nothing, like it doesn't help anything except it's like a cute little moment between these sisters-in-law I mean not technically because you know Jasmine's not married to Crosby but still yeah it's just really I loved it oh I thought it was just so nice to see Jasmine at the Braverman house yeah so much of season one like we said she was just kind of Jabbar's mom and she would like drop him off and right then, like there you go <laughs> yeah and then we got a little more as she and Crosby started dating but it still wasn't didn't ever feel like we learned much about like who is Jasmine and so then to see her in the Braverman house it seemed like Okay, if there was any doubt, she's really part of this show. She she knows everybody, everyone knows her, and it was just nice to see them them all together. Mm-hmm. I thought the most interesting storyline in this episode was oh, me Jasmine too. and Crosby By and far. Jabbar. And you know, I thought the her situation with where to leave Jabbar was such a tough call because I thought she had really great points that, you know, four weeks is not even remotely like anything Crosby has done before. Mm-hmm. He's done like a night or a weekend. And that's when it's just that long, then sleepovers are like a special occasion. It's not the day-to-day grind of caring for a child. Right. And one thing I loved about Jasmine's point is that by now, I think she totally trusts Crosby. Mm-hmm. It's not that she fears for Jabbar's safety or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. She knows Crosby's going to look out for him, which can only mean that she's truly thinking of what's best for Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she thinks that's Renee. And I totally get that. And yet I understand why Crosby would want to step up and like be the dad. And I guess that's admirable. But that does seem like that's more about his ego huh. than what's actually best for Jabbar. So I feel for Crosby, but I think Jasmine's right. So interesting. Did you have a thought on this as a parent? Because I'm going to, I'm still formulating mine. First, let me just say, like I have a bunch of friends who are co-parenting. So they're divorced. So the father is still in the picture, but the mother is doing the bulk of the the rearing, uh, the custodial parent. And anytime a new person is introduced, it's always funny anyway, because it's like, there's a whole nother layer of, I have to get to know you and trust you. And now my child has to get to know you and trust you and bond, right? And then I have to see how you are naturally, like with my kid. And so, I mean, I'm definitely siding with Jasmine just because as a mom, like four weeks, it's funny that you said four weeks. Two years ago, I went away for four weeks and left my girls with with my husband, obviously, right? (laughs) But like, I I get that feeling that because you're like, this isn't just overnight. This isn't me hanging out with my girlfriends for the weekend and I'm leaving my kid. This is four weeks. And I've been with them since they were born, like every single day. And I went away to do a show and it was the first time I left and everything in me was screaming. Oh my God, I don't know. This is my husband. These are his kids. Like they're his kids, but it's still, it's different, you know? And, and it's also like the maternal thing isn't there either. Like I know my husband loves my kids and I know he'll do everything. He would do anything for them, those girls, but there's a maternal instinct and there's a paternal instinct and they're just very, they're different. 
And so I, again, I just, maybe I'm just talking and rambling, but I think for any mom, there's, you're, you're always like, you know, are you going to know if they need this? Are you going to know the things that they don't say? Are you going to call me if something's, um, you know, gone awry? Are you going, you know, like, are you going to know all the things that I know? Right. And, or, and I'm, and am I going to damage my kid for leaving for four weeks? <laughs> like, for, you know what I mean? Like, it's all that. It's like, okay, I do trust you, but I'm just, yeah, you know, and then what if I'm not there? And if something happens and, um, and is my kid going to be scarred because they think I'm just leaving them with any old body, you know, yeah. like there's all these layers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that. That's that long answer to something <laughs> that's a great very simple. <laughs> that's great. This was honestly one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to you about this episode, just because you're a performer with children. And, you know, I know you've done tours before much longer than four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I'm sure once you have kids, the kind of jobs you're willing to do just change. They just they change, you know, they change. And um, for a really long time, and I'm honest about this, I hate it. Like, again, I love these kids. Like I got the best two girls ever. Like I did, like I, I, you know what I mean? And I don't even think I deserve them half the time. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not that great. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know that in my twenties, I was that stand up of an individual that God said or whatever God figured. She she deserves these good kids. Like I, I wasn't that, like I was, you know what I mean? And I always tell people, like, I wasn't the girl that was like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have kids. Like, I just wasn't thinking about that. I thought I'm going to New York and I'm going to do this. And that's where I was. And I'm comfortable in saying that I really, really, really hate that I, there's always a choice that has to be made. Like, mm-hmm. I hate it. Because for the lawyer or for the teacher or for the architect or for the postal worker or for whatever, they don't do that. They have kids and they go back to work, right? Yeah. Most of the time. But like for us, for women in the industry, particularly Broadway performers who do national tours or have, you can't, like, you have from zero to five, like age five, where if you want to go on a national tour, you could take your kid with you. I mean, people do it. But like, I booked a national tour. Oh, gosh, let me see. Sinclair, my oldest, was two. No, she had to be older. She was three. She was like three and a half. And I had just found out that I was pregnant with Simone. And because they, I was already at three years, I was already pregnant, but we were at three and it was like, we need to give her a sibling. Like if it's going to happen, we like, we got to do it now. And I booked Avenue Q and it was Gary Coleman. And that was a big deal. And I went in for the Broadway company and they chose somebody else. It was like, it was probably like a year before. And then they called me back in and not only was I pregnant, the pregnancy wasn't really the problem. It's just that it was like, okay, you're going to be pregnant. I'm, I was sick all the time and I had a three-year-old and I was like, I can't, like, how am I, it just wasn't, the timing was jacked up and it's awful. It's awful. It's awful to have to say no to, cause those are big jobs. Those aren't, you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't like I was and not, and I'm not knocking um, uh, regional theater, but it wasn't like I was going to Gateway Playhouse in Long Island for a couple of weeks. I had to say no to like this big credit uh, and a role I really wanted to do. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I really wanted to do and something, if I can interject, when Crosby and Jasmine have an argument later on, he mentions like, you're going to Europe for four weeks. What kind of parenting is that? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if, if non-performers understand that tours are also incredibly lucrative. Incredibly. Because they yes. cover all your living expenses. Yes. So 
from Jasmine's perspective, it could be like, yeah, I'm gone for four weeks and I make six months worth right. of yes. salary yes. that I can, you know, I can start a college fund for Jabbar or who knows what. And a national tour like Avenue Q, that would have, aside oh. from a huge credit, it's like, hey, do you want to buy a house when you get home? That's you know? exactly, that yeah. was, you know, and at the time that's where we were thinking because we were in an apartment still. And it's just, you know, in the hood, right? They always say, it's like this, the, the uh, slang, you take the L, you know what the take the L means? Take, you take the a loss. loss. Right. <laughs> High school I, teacher. You, right. Okay. So, you know, I took an L. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and as a woman, I think almost in any career choice, you know, like I have a friend who was on um, the track to be partner in her law firm. Well, that ended when she had her second kid. That was wow. rough. God. Because she just couldn't, like the hours that are required for you to be, to look serious in the eyes of the people who make the decisions. Um, and even on Broadway, I think sometimes, you know, you you have to just finesse it in a way that people don't think, you know, that was always my concern when I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love William Westbrooks and I don't, he never made me feel that way. Like he never made me feel that way. But I was always very hyper-conscious of not using my kids as an excuse for not being able to get something done. Yeah, You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even though the reality is there were some days that no matter what I did, I'm coming home. And if my kid is throwing up and she has the flu, that I I can't write your paper or I can't <laughs> like I yeah. can't do that right now. I want to, and I promise you the minute I can, you know. Yeah. So I feel like women, but particularly performers, we're, we're always taking the L. Like if you if you are, and this is for lack of a of a better term, because I'm trying not to be a judgmental person to anybody else, but if you're a good mom, like if you, if you're a mom that really is like, oh, those are my kids and I gave birth to them, you're just not going to choose. If you can, you're just not going to choose to be away from them for six months while you go on tour. Like you just don't do that. I've passed on auditions that were, would have been good for me. And that, that's that. I mean, I understand it. I do understand that though. I also understand like, okay, they have a father and this national tour money might be cute and maybe I should go do it. But, you know, my kids are 13 and nine now. And I don't think that if I could, I would hesitate mm-hmm. to maybe do one for like six months. Wow. Yeah. Because my 13 year old will be looking at colleges in three or four years. And, you know, like different yeah. times call for different, you know. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes you have to wait for your kids to get a little older or, you know, I take solace in the fact that I still, you know, have a voice lesson from time to time. I still work on my craft. I'm still, you know, writing this one woman show. And I'm, and I, I feel like as an artist, we're always going to be an artist. Like I'm always going to be able to hopefully do this barring any, you know, and, and that it'll be there and that the timing is sort of everything. And my kids won't be in therapy because I wasn't gone all the time. They're not going to hate me, you know, you know, I had remembered that there was some sort of European tour on Parenthood. I didn't remember how short it was. And and I thought, oh, yeah, four weeks. Yeah, of course, Jasmine's got to take that. Of course. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was really torn about what I thought was right. And ultimately, I think it probably went down the way that it should have, not because of staying with Crosby, but just, yeah, I mean, I guess... I guess it is living on a boat. And, you know, when he drives up in his motorcycle, I'm like, oh, this kind of hits at home, too. Does he have a car? Like, I, I suddenly, I mean, he does, <laughs> right, I think. Right. We've seen him drive yeah. Jabbar. But, like, for a second, I was like, oh, that feels like a really important visual to put in the show as maybe, like, a reinforcement of maybe it's not 
Crosby, but maybe it is like Sarah said, like put your money where your mouth is, which means maybe get a different living situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the thing that Jasmine said that I thought was really not fair was when she said Jabbar's known his grandmother his whole life. And I was like, well, whose fault is that? Because, because Jasmine didn't tell Crosby that he had a kid until Jabbar was five. And so I thought, well, that doesn't feel like a fair thing to say because that's not Crosby's fault. And right. I think it's he was, still the truth, though. but it is still the yeah. truth. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Right. And, I mean, cause I agree with, I thought the same thing. And yet if you're like trying to do what's best for Jabbar, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's, you're totally right. I think it's part of what makes it a really compelling conflict because I found myself agreeing with each of them at different points. And I think the thing that made me saddest for Crosby was when she showed up to the studio. He was like so happy to see her, which was really cute. But then like at first he's under the impression that they're a team and that she stood up to her mom for him. And then it becomes real clear (laughs) real soon that she agrees with her mom. And I thought, Oh, and I, I even think she was probably right. And she was trying so hard to be as delicate as possible. Like, you know, and, and I thought that was kind of like the Adam Sarah conflict where at first it was a very civil conversation and that it just escalated all to hell very fast. How do you feel? Me? Yeah. I feel like it's something to discuss. Meaning? Meaning, I don't think my mother's completely wrong. Right. See, I'm asking you how you feel, and you keep saying my mother this and my mother this. I, I didn't okay, have okay, a kid okay, with your mom. Okay, I, I think that he'd be better off with her. No, I mean, he's got his own room there. He's comfortable. He's known his grandmother his whole yeah, life. Well, I'm his dad. And you'll see him every day, Oh, is that what you guys decided? That I can see him every day? You and your mom figured this out? I don't think legally you guys can just make all oh, these decisions no, without no, asking me. No, no, me. no, we're not going to go well, there. No, it's an element. No, it's not an element. It's not. It's nothing to do. No one's talking about your rights. It has nothing to do with that. I just want to do what's best for Jabbar. That's you all. think going to Europe for six weeks is what's best for Jabbar? That, what, what parenting magazine did that come from? First of all, get your facts right. Okay, it's four weeks, oh, not it's four six. Weeks. It's so much yeah, better. and I'm not going to Europe on some vacation. Like I'm going to backpack through Europe and dump my kid over here. Is that what I'm doing? Well, you're not going to cure cancer. You know what? I'm not even. This is crazy. You know what? Actually, he's staying with my mother, so deal with it. Well, we'll see what Julia thinks about that. I don't care about what your sister has to say. Are you kidding me? You want to leave your sister? Really? That's what you're going to take it to? No. See what I come back with. Go get your sister. Ooh. (sighs) I got to say, the longer Crosby fought it, the more I was on Jasmine's side. (laughs) Yeah, I I, agree. I I feel for him. But, you know, because like earlier when like Renee was inspecting the boat and everything, I did kind of wonder, like, does Renee get a vote? Jabbar's not her child. Right. It should right. be. Up so to I Jasmine could understand. So I could understand why Crosby would resent. Yes. Renee's opinion being factored in. I'm like, but Jasmine definitely gets a vote. She and gets Jasmine's the vote. vote is Renee. Yeah. Also, like Jabbar has been living on the other side of the country for three months can't Crosby just be happy that he's back in town and he can see him whenever. And then, yeah, just like bringing up any threat of legal action is way out of line. And it, you know, it does maybe raise the issue that they should 
formalize some yeah, yeah. custody arrangement. But like, wow, now is so not the time <laughs> in the middle of an argument. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of the tricky thing about dating. Like they're not married, but they're dating each other. So it's like, yes, they're co-parenting, but they're also in a romantic relationship. How right. how yeah. tricky is that? Like, and, yeah. and it's long distance. Oh my goodness. Like that's just incredibly hard. Oh, I couldn't imagine. I just, I, yeah. I think the older you get, it's unrealistic that you will meet somebody who doesn't have kids, right? Like, uh, especially when you get into your your 40s, as I'm learning from some of my friends. And um, I never wanted to date anyone with kids when I was younger, like in my 20s, late 20s, 30s, because because of that. I just didn't want that. that It's already hard enough. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be, we got to add another person in here. And if you're a good parent, you're always going to put your kid first, not me. And I just didn't, I was, the selfish part of me was like, yeah, I think the guy that I'm dating that I want to might marry needs to put me first. And the only way that can happen is if he doesn't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was just, that's why though. It's hard. I think you're totally right though. That's so interesting. Cause I think Crosby is vulnerable with Jasmine in a way that he's never been with um, a girlfriend before. And you see that come up like when they kind of reconciled at the end, you know, and he was like, I feel you pulling away, which is something I've done to women before, which I thought was really self-aware, super interesting. And I think maybe he's probably never dated someone with a kid before. And of course, how much more complicated that this is his kid and not just Jasmine's kid. It's their kid together. But she had a five-year head start with him. And so she's probably closer and, and feels like the one who gets to make all the decisions. And I got to say, that must be so frustrating for Crosby because he was cut out of the decisions from like zero to five. Yeah. And now he's not part of this decision either. And ultimately I think I do agree with Jasmine, but I, I really, I don't think it's just ego with, with Crosby. I think there's some vulnerability and hurt there that, and I think it's maybe speaking of like, old hurts, you know, coming back to haunt, which may be kind of a theme here. But I feel like that's kind of what's happening here is that maybe he just doesn't feel like he gets to be the one who ever makes decisions for his biological child, you know, it's his kid, and he probably doesn't feel like it sometimes. And yeah, I, I really liked how the episode resolved. I liked that, you know, it seems like, you know, he's like, I, I really want him to stay with me, but I, I get where maybe it's better that he doesn't. But maybe this gets him on the path of thinking about changes in his life because, you know, he's, yeah. he's a dad. He can't maybe just live on the cool houseboat and not even have a room for his son. So, yeah. Yeah. Funny, my my grandmother, so my mother's mother, she died when my mom was two. Uh, so my mother was raised by her grandmother, my great grandmother, and my grandfather was alive, but they made a decision that, especially in their day, but they made a decision like they're used to you. They're, they're used to the grandmother. They're used to, you know, and you have this house and you're, and, and you're a woman and you can, you know, take care of these two little girls. My mom has my, my, um, my aunt, which is her sister. Um, and so it, you know, that this situation would not be the first time this plays out, you know what I mean? Like put your kid where their kid is going to have the most stability. Mm. And uh, to my knowledge, my grandfather was never kept from seeing Mm -hmm. my mother. It just was the 
the better, you know, I mean, certainly if I have to go somewhere for, you know, six weeks, I'm going to ask my mom to come live here and stay, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little less inclined to say no now. <laughs> now I'm like, um, I might have to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When what you said about stability, I think is so true. I mean, I don't, I don't have kids, but during like Jasmine and Crosby's first argument, I was thinking maybe there's some compromise of like Jabbar stays at Renee's half the week and then he sp- spends the other half at Crosby's. And I was like, but, but like school's in session now, isn't it? And, and that's not good for the kid to be like, oh, day in, day out. I'm sleeping in a different bed at night. And I, yeah, no, no, that's not good. That's only good for Crosby. Yeah. yeah. That's not good for the child. And I got you just reminded me of what I thought was maybe the funniest line delivery of the whole episode. It was when Renee points to the couch and she's like, this rickety chair, like the way she says it. I can't even remember. It, it cracked me up because Crosby's like, it's a couch. But I'm like, I think Renee might be right that it's a rickety chair. <laughs> but, you might want to do something about that lighter. Um, I have it. Oh, good, good. On this rickety chair? <laughs> <laughs> On this rickety chair? <laughs> it really got me. Yeah, it was so passive aggressive. It was perfect. You know, like I'm being kind. I'm being patient. But you're wanting my grandson to sleep on a rickety chair. I'm not. That's right. I'm not really That's happy right. about it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I also. This is our only. I think our second episode with Renee. She's fantastic. Who is that actress? Do we know her? Tina name? Lifford oh my is God. her name. And I don't know. I don't know if we've seen enough of the character to know if I really love the character. I love the actress. I definitely love the casting because she seems to me like simultaneously really different from Jasmine, but also totally believable as her mother. As her mom. Okay. It's like, okay, these, these people came from the same place. One of them is a little different than the other. You know, Jasmine seems a little more free spirit artistic. Renee seems very like, I mean, when you see her house, her garden and everything. I was like, oh, this is a stable, stable <laughs> yeah. individual. Absolutely. I, I wrote down, Renee's is so beautiful. I think everyone should live here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, don't you want that for you? I mean, I, I want that for my kid. You know, I, I work at that. Like, I work because I know the artist in me, you know, can kind of, you know, I'll get up when I get up. I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll work. Like, I like the nighttime. I like working at night. I like to, but I know that the kids need stability. Yeah. yeah. So a stable, I think Jasmine probably, of course, she knows that about her mother because that's her mother. Yeah. That's why she wants him there. She knows exactly yeah. what he's going to get when he wakes up. She knows what he's <laughs> probably going to eat in the morning. She knows what <laughs> kind of clothing her mom is going to put on that baby. Like that's, you know, to yeah. me, that's yeah. what's going on. And I think that, Crosby should chill out. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's going to, Jasmine's going to learn those things about him. Yes. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's not his fault, but no, yeah. it is what it is. And I, yeah, that's why I say I, I still feel for him. Yeah. I just don't agree with him. Right. And I think, you know, and he, le- he comes around, he realizes, I think where they're coming from. Yeah. I do think that this is such a good, like it exemplifies their most central conflict. I think the fact that Crosby didn't know Jabbar for the first five years of his life, really, I think every single fight that Jasmine and Crosby ever have is sort of based around that fact, because I think Jasmine was so used to making all the decisions herself that I think she can resent Crosby for being this new kink in that 
plan. Like, you know, she, she, in the past, she, this wouldn't have been a discussion. I think that might be part of why she gets frustrated so quickly during mm-hmm. their discussion, because she's like, mm-hmm. in the past, I just wouldn't have even had to deal with this. She just would have been with my mother. It would have been the it. And Absolutely. I th- and I think for Crosby, it's the frustration is because I didn't know him for five years, I, I, I'll never catch up. And so I think that's part of what makes this so compelling to me is it's all rooted back in that essential fact of their lives together. And yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's at fault, but I, the same way that Sarah is always insecure and it always comes back to her insecurities. I think for Jasmine and Crosby, it's always going to come back to that for them. And I, I, I hope they're able to sort of make peace with it. And I hope that Crosby learns, like you can't just bring up, legal stuff all the time or, or threaten your sister, the lawyer, that's, mm-hmm. that's not fair. But as Caleb said, it's a good sign that they probably should have some, something in writing. They, they, they really, I can't believe it's been this long and it's still just very casual. Like, Oh, I'll take him here and you'll take them there. Like they really need to put this on pen and paper and that will probably have fewer fights. So. Well, and I was, I was shocked at how nervous I was as the episode progressed, that there was going to be a really tense relationship between Crosby and Renee. Mm. You know, they don't really know each other yet. And I thought, if they get off on a bad foot, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is not going to be good long term. And so I was really happy at the end. I also thought it was an interesting piece of just visual storytelling because there wasn't a scene where like Crosby and Renee came to any kind of understanding but just seeing Jabbar walk away holding both of their hands, that was sweet. I thought communicated like Crosby and Renee are on the same team. Yeah. And team everything's going to be all yeah. team Jabbar. <laughs> right. Everything's going to be all right. And I was like, oh, what a relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I loved the little moment where Crosby said to Jabbar, like, well, do you want to get waffles now or do you want to get them later? And Jabbar's like both. <laughs> and and we already know from earlier episodes that Jabbar loves waffles. And so there was this look that Renee gave Crosby where she was like, you know him really well. And like there was like this an appreciative look that I don't think she's ever given Crosby yet because I think she's been very critical of, of him so far, you know, like the lighter fluid and he's going to sit sleep in this rickety chair. And so I think this might have been her first clue that maybe I've been underestimating Crosby. Like maybe, you know, he's actually a really good father. I still want him to live with me, but I think he's maybe a really good father. And so I appreciated that. And I did really love that it was such a quiet moment. Like, like you said, it wasn't a big fight because we've already had a few of those this episode. (laughs) And it was nice to just, yeah, have like something like that. Yeah. Well, moving on to the last storyline in this episode, which is the lessings. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, wreaking havoc on the Braverman. <laughs> I wondered at the beginning, are we supposed to find Suze's meltdown funny? Because I did. While it was <laughs> while it was really painful stuff she was talking about, I yeah, I found it funny too. I don't know how it happened. It was just a day like any other day and then the next thing I know we're getting divorced. I'm sorry. He says I'm obsessed with Noel. I mean, of course I'm obsessed. Who isn't obsessed? I mean, does he think that I want to spend every waking hour focusing on getting Noel through the day? Anything Adam oh, God. can do, I'm sorry. <laughs> Noel doesn't know yet. I can't figure out how to tell him and neither can Phil. And he's such a good dad. I mean, he's he loves Noel so much and I'm so mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> what can 
I do to help oh, you? God, I want to help you. I, I don't know. To. I have a meeting with Noel's teacher after school, and, and then, then I have a board meeting okay. after that. Why don't I pick him up? No. I'll pick Noel up. No, of course. No. Suze, no. let me. Uh, I could drop okay. him off, maybe. Is that okay? Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. It's okay. I'm so sorry. Your tea? Yes. It's hot. It's too hot. <laughs> Nothing oh, works. God, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I didn't really necessarily find the whole meltdown hilarious, but went that that whole bit about the tea's too hot. Nothing works. I laughed out loud. I thought yeah. that was one of the funniest lines of the whole show. That is funny. <laughs> well, and then, like later on when Phil is at Adam's office and Adam's getting him coffee and Phil keeps amending his order. Well, do you have espresso? Espresso machine? I want a cappuccino. Sugar, no milk. Soy milk. (laughs) Jesus. Just like, I mean, the episode is called No Good Deed. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Let me do something nice for you. Okay, I have the following instructions on how to be nice to me. (laughs) The um, speaking of, you know, like how the Jabbar storyline ended with an image that I thought spoke so many volumes that scene of Adam coming home to all the chaos and then just turning right around. I thought, boy, that is proof of a picture is worth a thousand words. Wait, was it the first one where he went and just took solace in his car by himself? That yeah. one. Yeah. Like he walks into the house. Noel is jumping on a trampoline and Max is screaming. Mm-hmm. Who knows what? And he just turns right around and hides in his car. And I thought, oh, that says more than like any dialogue could have said. And I love the running motif, I guess, of like, he just wants to listen to Ray LaMontagne alone in his car. That's his music. He just wants it. And no. Did Ray LaMontagne pay for promotional consideration (laughs) too? He said his name like like 14 times. Yeah. But like, I feel like that whole episode, he just wanted that. And I did think like, what a sweet little moment that the only person who doesn't criticize Ray LaMontagne is his wife. Like she gets in the car and she's like, I like this. And then I'm like, okay, she's the best wife. I took notes. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta, here are the three things she does. She asks if he wants to be alone before she gets in the car. She says she likes his music. And then she says he's sexy. And then she says they should make out. I'm like, who has created this dream woman? I'm like, this is, yeah, but it was. That was maybe my favorite scene in the episode, just their little time in the car together. It really made me wish I was married. (laughs) But just that, that sense of like, he, I think he does want to be alone. I think if anyone else literally in the world said, can I join you? He would have said no, (laughs) but she's allowed. Oh, that's true. Love. When like I need my alone time, but my alone time will be better with you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. God, that's I sweet. get that. Yeah. I get it. I do. What I really like best about my marriage is that we're not kid focused, like kid centered. Like they joined our unit. Like I gave, you know, it was us. We're a unit, and they came into our space. Yeah. Right. So. So we are the king and the queen of the space. <laughs> and if the if the king, but especially the queen, is not happy, <laughs> nobody's happy. <laughs> and we're friends and we're friends. Like we're we we are legitimately friends. And so there are moments, lots of them, where I wish that the kids would go like to my mother's for two weeks. And there are times when I'm like, oh, I don't feel like talking. But if he's sitting there. 
and he's reading and I'm just sitting here and I'm kind of alone. Like I'm alone, but he's he, like, he's the only one that can be there. Like, I get that, yeah. you know, like I really, I really want to be alone, but it's okay that he's like, he's the only one. Yeah. And I get that. Like our kids know, like we love you dearly to death. Like no one comes before you except daddy. No one comes <laughs> like we have a very, you know, where a lot of people, I think their focus is always on the kids and that's where you see the relationship start to fray. Yeah. And I, I believe it really shouldn't be that way, that it really should be the unit should stay intact because you're teaching the kids, the kids are looking at you guys yeah. and trying to figure out how to do it. And so if it's always about the kids, then you know, when they leave to go to college, you'll be looking at this person like, I don't even know you anymore. I don't know yeah. you. And I don't know if I like you. Yeah. That's so interesting that you mentioned that. It reminds me of this essay that Ayala Waldman wrote that she got all this controversy for, or maybe she said it, I think they interviewed her on Oprah. I forget, but it turned into this huge thing. But she, um, I just looked it up. Uh, oh, it was an essay published by the New York Times. Okay. And she wrote, I love my husband more than I love my children. Oh, I remember that. That was a big which deal. Is, which is a huge, I mean, that's obviously like kind of an inflammatory way to put it. Yeah. But she, <laughs> she wrote, so many women today have become so focused on their children. They've developed these romantic entanglements with their children's lives and the husbands are secondary. You guys know Valentine's Day at your kids' schools. All the moms come in with perfect frosted pink cupcakes that they've made with their kids. Is Valentine's a day to make cupcakes with your children? No, Valentine's is supposed to be a day about romantic love. If you focus all of your emotional passion on your children and you neglect the relationship that brought that family into existence, eventually things can go really, really wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I co-sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my husband and I don't have kids at all, and so our entire relationship is just us. Like, that's it. And so we talk about that sometimes, how interesting it is that some people have made their like whole marriage kind of about their kids. And I'm like, we don't even have kids. So it has to be about us. I don't know. Yeah. And, and yeah, if I were alone in a car, I feel like Mark could come knock on that door too. And I'd be really happy to, to yeah. have him there. Yeah. It's great. So yeah, it was, that was a beautiful scene. Yeah. And it was like this lovely reprieve. Cause it was like a very shouty episode where, you know, everyone got escalated super fast. So it was sort of nice. It was like at the calm in the storm or something. It was just these two characters hearing each other, listening to each other. And, and yeah, it was really beautiful. And it made me, it was probably my favorite Adam Christina scene thus far, I think. And they've had a lot of good ones, like really funny scenes, but it was like so many of their scenes do focus, you know, on their kids and, and problems they're having issues they're having with their kids. So this one did feel like entirely just about them. I That's loved nice. it. Yeah. Well, I, I honestly didn't remember the episode well enough to remember you know, every single thing that happened. So at the end, when Adam came home and found a note from Christina, um, and also I want to, I had a hard time reading the note. I did too. So I this is most, this is mostly for my mom who I know <laughs> will want to know exactly what it said. The note reads, hi, love nut took the kids to dinner. Relax. I heart you. K. And then a smiley face. Oh, <laughs> love so that. When, what a when funny he name. Yeah. When he found that note, I thought that the episode was over. And while I was like happy for Adam that he finally was going to get a break, all I could think in my head was, when does Christina get a break? Yeah. Mm. It's like she's been dealing with this all the time. And so then I was just like over the moon 
when it turns out that he goes and finds them and joins them. It's like, oh, what a good husband. So that at least a little bit of the pressure is off her. Yeah. Yeah. It made me so happy. I was just so relieved at the end of this episode between Crosby and Renee being all right. And then Adam and Christina being a united front. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, it is good for people to get a break by themselves. You know, I, I hope that Adam does get a chance to to have a moment by himself, but I hope Christina does too, because that's a really good point. She's been under a lot of stress this whole yeah. week too. The focus and of Hattie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Poor Hattie. I loved real quick that Hattie was not one of the things that stressed Adam out when he had to go to the car. It was the three things you mentioned the first two. And then the third one was um, Christina with Sue's. So it wasn't Christina, but it yeah. was like consoling Sue's. And I'm like, see, Hattie is not stressful. She's the, the ideal daughter. She's <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need a break from her. But anyway, no, I loved it. Yeah, but they, they do need breaks by themselves too. But I, I, I still really loved the ending. And yeah, that it was beautiful. The whole episode felt like, you know, like we mentioned earlier with the no good deed, it was like people trying to do something nice for others and then either having it taken advantage of or not appreciated or like backfiring. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like Christina trying to help the lessings and then they become this big burden. Yeah. <laughs> Adam trying to give his sister this break professionally and then she starts flirting she with start, the boss. Yeah. <laughs> Zeke, Zeke and Camille try and like pick up some slack taking care of Sarah's kids and then Sarah's mad that they're better at it than she is. <laughs> Crosby thinks he's probably helping Jasmine and be like... Uh, let Jamar stay with me. It's like, oh, you're just blowing things up. Right. And then yes. <laughs> to come back to this storyline, Julia thinks she's helping her daughter setting up this play date and actually it backfires. Yeah. But, mm-mm, mm-mm. And, it, and it occurred to me at the end, this moment we're talking about with the note and Adam joining Christina, she was trying to do something nice for him. Mm-hmm. And in his own way, he kind of rejected her good deed. Oh, I guess that's true. But, she was great. But, but in that case, it was proof of how much he appreciated it. Mm. And I thought like, oh, that kind of feels like the perfect resolution to this episode. Mm. Of like all these efforts to be helpful, backfiring, and then one backfires, but for the, in the best way. Oh. That's, That's nice. perfect. Oh, yeah, I love perfect. that. Yeah, perfect. Uh, that would be such a good place to end on. But I do have a few little stray notes that um, I... One, they, Give us your strays. Yeah, they have nothing to do with anything. But <laughs> do, do you remember how earlier I had mentioned how um, buddy is a term that like people call each other on the show a lot? I mentioned that yeah. way early on in the show. And then I keep meaning to mention it. And then I don't. But in this episode, literally four different characters call someone buddy. And so I'm pulling it up. Um, here they are. Hold on. <laughs> Cut out all my... <laughs> hesitating. Okay. <laughs> Christina says it to Noel when he like raids their fridge and she's like, um, got enough food, buddy. You need a bag, <laughs> which was also <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Ah, love um, it. Love, love it. it. Um, Crosby and Jasmine each call Jabbar buddy. Crosby does it at the beginning of the episode and Jasmine says it at the end. And then the one that I was like, what is this was Gordon calls Adam buddy. He's like, Hey buddy. <laughs> and I'm like, why does everyone call each other buddy on the show? I have no like larger meaning to attach that observation to. I'm just noticing it all the time. Love it. So yeah. yeah, who knows why? But I wanted to mention it because I thought that was 
Ben's excessive buddying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, the other thing. Okay, I have two others. Um, Julia, I, I wrote, no, Julia can't be part of the siblings plot. Like when they're all like sitting around the three of them at TNS Footwear and they're like, Julia can't join us. And I'm like, no, she's involved in her own dumb storyline. I wrote that down. <laughs> so she can't be part of this much more interesting one. And then um, I will say by Christina's logic, Adam was being sexy by inviting Sarah to work with him. I thought that was so funny because we're always making jokes about Adam and Sarah, but she was like, no, you couldn't help it. You were just being yourself. You were being kind and generous, sexy. And I'm like, what a weird thing to say about. (laughs) Yes. But I did think that was so funny because obviously she was changing the subject and trying to compliment Adam and like make out with him. But I'm like, what a weird thing to say. You were just you were just being sexy by inviting your sister to work with you. I'm like, literally, that's what you just said. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, Oh, and then Band of Horses was the band playing at the very end. And that was one of the last concerts I saw back when we could gather. So um, I thought I'd throw that out there. Such a beautiful show. So those were my strays. I've never heard of that band. Oh, they're wonderful. The first time I saw them, they opened up for Pearl Jam. And I think that's oh. when I first heard of them. But yeah, they're they're just beautiful. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, I thought that was like, they always pick such good music for that, like last either montage, or I guess in this case, it wasn't really a montage, but just like that walk up scene of Adam into the restaurant. I'm like, oh, God, that's beautiful. So mm. anyway, I loved it. Any final thoughts on the episode? It's a great, I mean, it's a great show. It really, it, I mean, it really is. It's, I didn't realize there was so much to discuss about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, wow. we go crazy. <laughs> I, so. But the thing is, it's like, I think that's good writing. I just think that if you can talk about, you know, like just pull out different things that pertain to life and mm-hmm. uh, then that means the writing is good. Uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Thank you yeah. for trying something new for us. That's really We kind. always tell the people who haven't, seen it before like you don't have to like it i think we're kind of in a weird or at least i'll speak for myself i'm kind of in a weird way looking forward to the day when we ask someone to watch it and they come on and say i hated this oh okay <laughs> yeah i mean you don't have to hate it now just because Kayla yeah, said no, it, no, but- no no and i wasn't i was actually because i don't hate it but i just think sometimes you know, there are shows that I couldn't, I mean, I'm just trying to think of something off the top of my head. I've watched so much stuff during this, you know, <laughs> yeah. quarantine thing, but like there are things that don't hit you until they hit you. I, like my mother used to love this show back in the eighties called 30 something. Oh I don't yeah. Know I remember that. I never watched it. it. I, it, 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 yeah, I was like, what? 30 something. I mean, I was probably like 10. I don't know. You were 10 I don't know something. Like, you weren't 30. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But I think that it's like company. It's like Sondheim's company, you know, I, but I, I could watch company now. I, and I say that because I saw company a, a long time ago and I was like, mm, I don't like it. Like I just did, it wasn't, just didn't move me. And then later, like years later, I was like, oh, I get that. And I totally get it. And I get that because I get it. You're in the right like place in life maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I like it. And I think sometimes it's why people don't like shows like this. I just think it is not, if you don't get it, you, you just totally don't get it, you know? Yeah. But thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being thank here. Thank you so much. It was so great Wonderful. to get your, your stories, your experience and 
yeah. your view on things. Well, thank you're you. like one of my favorite people to talk to. Oh, I can thanks. totally see why. Oh. And isn't it fun? Honestly, like- I, what always drew me to Marlena uh-huh. in when she was at NYU, mm-hmm. um, not to, I, I don't mean any knock against your age. Or no, anything, I don't. Disagree. Most of the grad students at NYU were like fresh out of college. Oh, so they yeah. were like 22, 23, yeah. 24. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, here's this student who's an adult (laughs) and I went through such a weird evolution since I was a student at NYU and then kept working there yeah for a long time my friends were the undergrads yeah which is fine when you're 23 but then when I'm like 30 yeah yeah like it's like am I gonna be identifying with all of these 19 year olds yeah like that feels inappropriate yeah and then here was like an adult with life experience and a spouse and children yeah oh okay yeah i can connect with you on a different level <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's so nice well yeah i've uh, it's so fun for me like well and for caleb i think that each of us keeps bringing different people we know in as guests uh, and okay, so like yeah. sometimes each of us are like having our very first conversation with someone recorded. <laughs> like, you know, oh. it's like, what a, what an interesting thing. This is our first conversation today and, and anyone can hear it. Like, I, I kind of love that. It's like, yeah. it feels like a weird experiment or something or like our own reality show, but it's a podcast. Yeah. This is great though. Well, I guess, I guess we should um, end with our plugs. Um, so we always plug the show. Um, so everyone, please you know, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Parenthood Pals. Um, if if you like what you're hearing, your ratings and reviews mean a lot to us. We're a very small little podcast, so we do appreciate <laughs> it very much. Yay. And as always, you can find us at parenthoodpals.com. Well, until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>